Hello and welcome to the Anchor Sunday Sermons podcast, a ministry of Rock Harbor Church. We want to help guide and grow you in your walk with the Lord by providing an in-depth study of God's Word with our Sunday sermons here in this podcast. So please grab your Bibles and let's set a course for spiritual maturity. Here's Pastor Brandon with this week's message. Definitely even after all of this is over, which is never going to get over, but they're going to single you out as unvaccinated. That's what's happening here in America. The reason they're getting away with it in Australia right now is because they don't have guns. The, the people compromised a long time ago and turned in their guns a long time ago. So Australia became the test case for all of this that's happening. So now you see the pr- uh, police brutality and all the crazy stuff that's going on in Australia. Do not think for a moment that's not coming here, okay? They're te- they, ha- they have to do it incrementally with Americans because we are armed to the teeth, and they know that. And so they have to do it small steps, small steps, small steps, which means that they have to get people to compromise here, then compromise here, and then I can, if I can get you to compromise here, I can take you down the Primrose Pass, path and get you to compromise on other things. I'll stair-step you to compromise. Give up your freedoms, give up your religious liberties, all that. And so we're watching this play out in front of us. So this makes sense of why I think the Lord has brought us to this point uh, as a church and even in the text that we're in today, because we are facing some of the greatest threats to our liberties than we've ever faced before. And they're wanting to see if we will compromise our religious beliefs, our freedoms to get their form of peace and security. That's what this is about. So it, it makes sense that we, we would be in Exodus 32 at this point in time. We're going to finish up Exodus. Uh, I got a couple. Uh, we're going to take the golden calf incident in two parts. Today we'll focus on Israel's reaction, and then next time we'll focus on, on Aaron's reaction of why they compromised and know the, the mechanics of what went into the compromise. And then we'll go into the book of Daniel after this, and we'll go through the book of Daniel and, and verse by verse after we're done with Exodus. But at this point now, here's what you're facing. Be vaccinated or be fired, okay? Wear a mask or get out of here. Accept critical race theory or else. Accept the LGBT mafia movement. Accept the transgender movement. Accept that men can have babies. Accept that men can menstruate. Accept that a man can go into a woman's sport and compete and ruin women's sports. And you have to be okay with that. Accept that. See, they're wanting you to compromise your Christian values. God says, no, there's only two genders. Uh, men can't have babies. And they say, uh, oh, no, they can't. And, and, and if you don't compromise, you're kicked out of our society. That's how what's happening. And unfortunately, we already see the Christians uh, caving in on this. These churches, these pastors have now become false teachers. They become apostate. They become uh, uh, impastors, I guess, or imposters, whatever you want to call them. Because now these churches are coming out saying, oh, yeah, um, uh, we got to apologize for our white privilege. So everybody get on your knees and ask the Lord for forgiveness for being born white. I would leave that church in a second if anyone did that. But yet the people just sit there and then take it. 
And then, and then you have churches telling people, y'all need to be vaccinated. Jesus would be vaccinated. Excuse me? What are you talking about? Where do you, what are you doing here? So we're in the issue of compromise, right? That's the, that's the temptation that's facing every one of us today. So what we have to learn is learn from a bad example with Israel, not to do what they did, not to do what Aaron did, so that we can stand in this time, that we cannot compromise, that we can pass the test to stand on the solid rock of Christ during this period of time and our convictions and freedoms. So with that being said, let's learn from what we can see in Israel's past, because here's the funny thing. What happened in Israel's past is going to happen in Israel's future again. History is repeating itself. The setting. The setting is God has given the commandments to Israel already verbally. They, they know what the Ten Commandments are. That's what we spent the summer and into the fall studying the Ten Commandments. So these commandments have been given to them. But now God is going to call Moses up to the mountain and to give him the actual 10 commandments on stone and other laws to follow that he will uh, uh, mediate out into Israel and teach them, okay? So this is where the giving of the 10 commandments is happening. So he's called upon the mountain. And it says this, and this is in, uh, sorry, uh, Exodus 24, a little background on this. And then it says, then the Lord said to Moses, come up to me on the mountain and be there. And I will give you the tablets of stone and the law and the commandments which I have written, that you may teach them. Then Moses went up into the mountain, and the cloud covered the mountain. Now the glory of the Lord rested on Mount Sinai, and the cloud covered it six days. So again, I'll, I'll show you what it looks like on the ground, but again, get the scene. This is happening on Sinai. Below Sinai, Israel is camped, about two million people. So they see this. They see the glory cloud above the mountain. And it might look something like this, perhaps, that they would have saw, uh, and they would have been camped out in front, or maybe something like this, I don't know, with the thunder and lightning, the glory cloud and the fire all enveloped on the top. Uh, or, or artist renditions tried to paint it like this, but they would have obviously seen it. But what's my point? My point is, it's not that it's out of eyesight. They can see what's happening, and the elders tell them what's happening. That Moses is now receiving the Ten Commandments as far as on the, tone, the stone tablets. So they know. I'll give you some more background in, in just a bit. There's a video I want to show you. It just kind of it captures a little bit better than pictures of perhaps something like this they might have seen. That's important to understand. And then furthermore, Exodus goes on to say in chapter 24, then Moses went up and also Aaron, notice who's there. Aaron's with him, Nadab and Abihu, and the 70 elders of Israel, and they saw the God of Israel. So really what happened is um, when they started uh, going up, the Lord called the elders and, and the, basically the leadership of Israel, and Moses it was accompanied by Aaron, Nadab, and Abihu as well. So they go up halfway up the mountain, and so Halfway up the mountain, God appears to them. And so that's a, called a theophany or a Christophany because it would, would have been a pre-incarnate Christ that would have appeared to them and spoke with them face to face. So they see the pre-incarnate Christ talk to them. So again, the elders see this. Aaron 
sees this. This is important because they, it's not like they don't know what's happening, okay? And then it says, and there was under his feet as it were a paved work of sapphire stone. And it was like the very heaven in its clarity. So anywhere where Jesus walked on Mount Sinai was this, this sapphire foundation. Anywhere God walked. And that is a picture of heaven because it's the uh, crystal glass that when God's throne is seen in heaven, it sits upon a crystal glass. So everywhere where God puts his foot is this sapphire stone, this crystal glass. And so they're seeing this. Everywhere Jesus walks, the stone would just appear, the sapphire, everywhere he walks on the mountain. So this is an amazing thing. So on the seventh day, he called to Moses out of the midst of the cloud. The sight of the glory of the Lord was like a consuming fire in the top of the mountain in the eyes of the children of Israel. They see it, okay? That's, that's a big deal. So Moses went into the midst of the cloud and went up into the mountain. So now Moses is going to lead the leadership and he's going to go up there. And Moses was on the mountain 40 days and 40 nights. I'll come back to that term in just a bit. But again, He's going to be up there for that period of time. God's going to give him all the law, all the commandments, uh, the, the, basically the 613 commands, and, and basically pretty much everything. And you see the first five books of Moses. He's going to be recorded Genesis, and, and he's going to record Exodus, Deuteronomy. All this stuff will be recorded, especially Genesis. All this other stuff Moses will record later. But the point is, it do, he doesn't tell Moses, he doesn't tell the leadership how long he will be up there. We know he's up there 40 days and 40 nights, but Israel doesn't know and Moses doesn't know and the leadership doesn't know. So that's another key to understanding this whole process. Geographically, we're in Saudi Arabia. This is where the real Mount Sinai is. It's not the Catholic site on the Sinai Peninsula. That's a Catholic site. The real Sinai is in Saudi Arabia. That's where Midian would have been. That's where Moses and Jethro were there for 40, 40 years in the desert. Um, this is the real Mount Sinai in Saudi Arabia. As I've shown you this before, the top of the mountain is burned. It's completely burned at the top. Now, you can see the, the, the rocks there around it are kind of this reddish color. Well, when they go to the top and some guys have snuck in there and they've excavated it and taken the rock out of it, they've actually split rocks to see if they're volcanic, to see if they're black all the way through. They're not. And you split the rock, it's that color of, of, of this reddish color. And on the outside is burned. It's burned. And they say that some people have taken it back and they can wash off the burning on the rock. So... The whole top of the mountain is burned, which, again, evidences um, where Sinai was. This is where the campground would have been. This is looking to Sinai. So imagine from the vantage point of the Israelites, this is what they're seeing with the glory on top of that mountain that's burned right there. This is the mountain uh, on another side. You can see all the burn marks in contrast to the other mountains there. This is at the very peak of Sinai. And you can see there's a platform on the top. This is where Moses and God would have interfaced face-to-face and given all the information that Moses got from God right there on the top of Sinai. It's all burnt up there if you go there. Um, This is kind of a a geographical drawing of it, and you can see where 
the geographical remains of the altar that Moses built is there. I've showed you that. The 12 pillars are there, representing the 12 tribes of Israel. The guardhouse is there. There's an own stream bread that emanates from the, the Mount Sinai. So when God was up there, a stream was caused that came from him, and, and they were able to drink the water from that area. Just like the throne of God today in New Jerusalem, there's a stream of water that comes from the throne. Even in the Messianic age, there will be a stream of water that comes from Jesus' throne. So everywhere where God puts his throne is water coming out in that location. So there's, there's evidences of all this, this river that, that actually flowed to the camp and gave them fresh water. And then you see the boundary markers there are put around the camp. Their boundary markers are still there today to keep Israel from trespassing into this sacred area. And then there's the site of the golden calf. And, and we'll go more into that next week. But here's kind of another uh, bird's eye view. You can see the Red Sea crossing. And this is exactly where the cave of Elijah is there and all the way down to the golden calf area. This is, again, another picture of where the golden calf area would have been right there by the camp. Here's the, the dried lake, uh, sorry, riverbeds where the flow. And you can see the golden calf area right there on the bottom. Notice that Saudi Arabia has put a fence around it. You can see the outline of a fence around this area because they realize that, well, Saudi, believe it or not, uh, Islam holds this place also in veneration because they, they believe in Moses. I'm not saying they're saved or anything. I'm just saying they believe in the story of Moses and they, they, they revere Moses, and they actually believe, too, that this is the place of the site. So they put a fence around it. The funny thing about this site where the golden calf is, there are golden ca uh, calf images all around the site carved into the rock, and they're the apsis uh, type of bull that you would have seen in Egypt. So they use the pictorial graphs from Egypt and put that in stone around this altar. This altar is surrounded by golden calf images still there today. And it's in red paint. I'll talk about that next week uh, when we talk about the red paint. Anyway, let's go back to the text. Now, when the people saw that Moses delayed coming down from the mountain, the people gathered together to Aaron. Now, your English mistranslates this. I, I don't think it's a good translation at all, because if you look at the Hebrew, it means they gathered against Aaron. They became hostile, and they went after Aaron. Now, this sheds some light on the kind of mentality that, that they had. Now, what's happening here? If you study Moses like we have, like we have done, Moses is a great leader. He spent 40 years in the desert learning how to be a leader, learning not to get ahead of God, not learning not to get take things into his own hands, like he murdered somebody, remember that? And he learned his lesson through 40 years. He spent a lot of time with God. So as the ultimate leader, that means Moses is very loyal to God, which implies that he cannot be pushed around by the mob. And he will not. You will watch all his, his dealings with Israel. He will never cave into them until he gets angry at the end at them and strikes the rock twice. But until then, he will hold the line as hard as he can. And they know he will hold the line. So, the, so 
they know what kind of leader they have. Aaron is a different story. Did Aaron spend 40 years in the desert with the Lord? No, he didn't. Aaron doesn't have the leadership makeup as Moses does. Hence, they're going to try it out on him because they know they can't get anywhere with Moses. So they're going to try Aaron, the soft target. Please understand that according to statistics, 95% of people are followers. Only 5% of any given population are leaders. And, and Moses is part of that, that 5%, so to speak. I hope you are too. Because it's going to take that type of person that's not going to be pushed around by mandates, critical race theory, or anything else they're pushing on us. You're going to have to be in that 5%, knowing that you can't be pushed around. Amen. Otherwise, you end up like Aaron. And we'll see Aaron next time get pushed around like a puppet, and he does exactly what they want him to do. But So they're going to try this. And understand, this is the way the world's going. They're putting up leaders in front of us that are nothing but puppets. You look at the last Kern High School District meeting on Monday, and you're seeing a bunch of toads sit up there as puppets. People got up there, Terry Maxwell gets up there, gives them the facts and evidence about the virus, gives them the facts and evidence about the vaccine. You think anyone on that board listened to them? No, because they are puppets. They're doing the agenda of the far left, of Sacramento, of Joe Biden. That's who they're beholden to. And they're beholden to their political positions, not right and wrong. And so we see the evidence today that the leadership that we see is useless. They're just puppets. And that's how they see Aaron. So they're going to push Aaron around. And they say, come, Make us gods that we shall, that, that shall go before us. Now, here's the thing. They're not asking for foreign gods. Um, they want, they're wanting gods to represent Yahweh. Okay. So, uh, Israel will not be introduced with foreign gods until the time of Jezebel. So that comes later on. Jezebel is the first one to introduce foreign gods. So what they would do beforehand is they would make idols to Yahweh, which again was forbidden, and they know this, it's part of the second commandment, which they've been told. You should not make a graven image of Yahweh. And so they're wanting to already break the second commandment. It, it shows you that they don't believe the commandments. They're wanting to do this. But notice what they say. They, wanna, they want these foreign, uh, sorry, these um, gods to represent Yahweh that shall go before us. What, go where? Where are you going? Well, they've been told they're going to the promised land. That's the destination. And so because of that, they, they, they see that Moses is gone and the leadership is gone. So, hey, we're, we're, we're spinning out here. We don't know what direction we should go. We've lost Moses. What are we supposed to do? We want to go to the promised land. And so they want these, these, these false gods, this uh, representing Yahweh, to lead them out as if a statue could as if a golden calf could. They're out of their minds. They cannot take the promised land without Yahweh because he, they have to have his power and supernatural ability. They should have learned that with the Amalekites that attacked them. It was only the reason they got victory is because Moses kept his arms up. Remember that? 
As long as his arms were up, they had victory. That's a supernatural empowerment. And they're going to go take on the Canaanites by themselves? You're crazy. Oh, yeah, but that's what happens when you get into an idolater mindset. You think you can affect things on your own without God. And so they're wanting to go in the promised land without God. Huh. We'll get more. We'll, we'll talk about that in a little bit. For as this Moses, look at the condescending nature that they're talking about Moses. This Moses? Hey, man, this guy's, this guy's a great guy. And you're condescending to him? But notice what they, look at the error in the next phrase. The man who brought us up out of the land of Egypt. Where's the error there? Moses didn't bring him out. Who brought him out? God did. Oh, we got a problem here, don't we? It tells you a little bit about their mindset. It tells you that they are equating Moses with Yahweh. They've actually, believe it or not, have turned Moses into an idol already. Because they see Moses as the physical representation of Yahweh. Now, how did that happen? Well, when Moses led them out through the desert, obviously Moses was following Yahweh. It was Yahweh's glory leading them through. But they started combining the leadership with God. That is a big mistake. That is a huge mistake. But it happens in Christendom all the time. It happens in false religions all the time. Hey, dude, I grew up Catholic. I know all about that. We saw the priest and God like this that the priest could do no wrong, that they were above everybody. And we equated the two with God. When you're dealing with a priest, you're dealing with God because the priest would forgive you. The priest would give you uh, uh, a penance and all kinds of stuff, confer on you all kinds of blessings. And what happened, even in Roman Catholicism, they, they, they combined the leadership with God and it creates what's called Nicolaitanism, ruling over the people. You see this in all false religions, right? You'll see that, but this is what they're starting to do. They combine the leadership with God. It's a wrong move. And then they go on. We do not know what has become of him. Now, that's a lie. That is a big Elias Fauci lying, right? Okay, it's, it's a huge lie. Because what did I say? I set the whole thing up saying the leadership saw God. They knew God was uh, calling Moses up there and they would have reported back. Hey, this is where Moses is at. He's on the mountain. He's getting the law. He's going to come back when he's ready. Y'all need to just wait. But they, when they say we do not know what has become of him is a flat out lie. Because why? Why are they willing to lie at this point when they know the truth and they see Mount Sinai? It's because they have an agenda. When people have agendas, Facts and evidence don't matter. Don't matter. So that when you present medical information, when you present facts and evidence about the vaccine and about what's happening in Israel, they have lost their mind in Israel. I love Israel, but the leadership has lost their minds on this stuff. Now they're wanting to tell Israel, oh, wait, you're going to have to get more vaccinated, uh, more vaccines coming in, more jabs and more jabs coming on. They're never going to be without them. And yet the breakthrough cases are happening with the vaccinated in Israel. Israel has a problem on their hands. But the point is, people, when they have an agenda, will be willing to lie. They will not care what facts and evidence you present them. So like I said, uh, Terry Maxwell presented all the facts and evidence about, you know, 
the viruses, vaccines, you think the school board's sitting there saying, boy, I really need to understand this. I, I really messed up. I really don't know what I'm talking about. I cannot believe we were trying to mandate something like this. We need to reevaluate this. You think they said that? Nah, they have an agenda. And then the, the agenda becomes evident at the board meeting. Just as an example, they declare, uh, they made a, a, a gay proclamation, LGBT proclamation. Why did they have to do that? Why did you have to, why don't you make a Christian proclamation? Right? Why don't you do that? But see, it's an agenda. It's agenda driven. Huh. Same thing, right? Same thing. Psalm 106 gives us a little bit more insight into the whys, okay? And it says this in Psalm 106, they made a calf in Horeb and worshiped the molded image. Thus they changed their glory into the image of an ox that eats grass. They forgot, there's your key word, and I'll explain what that means. God, their savior, who had done great things in Egypt, wondrous works in the land of Ham, awesome things by the Red Sea. Now here's what we have to understand. Forgetting doesn't mean Western forgetting in the Hebrew Bible. For, you know, because you would say, well, they're only three months out from this happening. How did they forget? They didn't forget. This is what makes the sin even worse. Not forgetting in the terms that we understand, like your mind went blank. You had like amnesia. I can't remember what happened at the Red Sea. I can't remember the manna. I can't remember. No, 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 no. They, that's not what the Hebrew is trying to say. Forgetting is a Hebrew idiom. Okay, so a Jewish idiom that means to take negative actions against somebody. To remember in Hebrew is a Jewish idiom that means to take positive actions towards somebody. You remember the thief on the cross? What did the thief on the cross say to Jesus? Remember me. Why, you know, why, why, did, why did he say that? Because it's a Hebrew idiom of, of Lord, I believe in you. Take positive action towards me when you come into your kingdom. The positive action would be resurrection. It'd be, you know, being able to go into the kingdom because of salvation. That's what the thief on the cross was asking for. That you, if you're the Messiah and I believe you're the Messiah, then give me the things that the Messiah promised to give believers. That's what he was asking. But forgetting means that I'm gonna take negative action towards the person, okay. So when it says, Psalm 106 says, they forgot, it means that they were starting to take negative action, not only against Moses, but against Yahweh himself. This is this thing will be a very blasphemous thing. So that's what forgetting means, to take negative action towards God or Moses. So let's get into the, the, the idea of the compromise. Let's, let's parse through why did they compromise so we can learn how not to compromise. First, the big issue with them is they're spiritually immature. That's the problem. Now, I can't condemn them too much because they're just three months out of Egypt. You know, it's not like it's been 40 years. It's been three months. And so God will give them some grace for that, but it's still what they did was wrong and they knew better, okay? So they're culpable. So their immaturity does not, make, does not uh, excuse them from what they did. But I will say this, immaturity is what's causing Christians to compromise. See, our, think about how much our culture is compromising. Like if you own a business, they're gonna tell you you have to have an ESG score. You have to be environmentally 
socially and governance in your business. That means you've got to save the planet. That means you have to practice social justice. And that means that on your staff and your boards and your, your company, you have to have diversity. What does that mean? You better have LGBT people and transgender people on your governance. That's what that means. And if you don't comply, then we're not going to do business with you. We're not going to do loans with you. And you just can't do, uh, work in our society. Okay, so our society is now caving into this, Okay. The reason they're caving into it because there's no moral anchor they're on. They've kicked God out of our society. Most of our, our society is secular and ungodly. They have no convictions whatsoever. And so they just go along to get along because their God is money or their God is the business or whatever it might be. And so they go along with this stupid ESG score or whatever agenda that's being thrown at them. So then you bring it to the church and you're like, why is my church saying that we all need to get on our knees and apologize for our white privilege? Why do we have to do that? Because they're immature. They don't know. Why is the church is now accepting homosexuality? Why are they accepting homosexual marriage? Why are they now even accepting transgender pastors or impastors, I should call them? Why are they doing that? Because they have compromised. And once you start compromising, you compromise all the way down. It won't stop. And it typically comes from spiritually immature people. Hey, here's the, here's the story. Here's the real truth about maturity. People get saved, and a lot of times they repeat year one for 20 or 30 or 40 years. That's all they've done. Now, they're, they've been a Christian for 30 or 40 years, but all they've done as far as their growth is concerned is repeat year one. They have not matured. Because if you're mature, you won't cave in. If you're mature, you won't compromise because you're standing on the solid rock. Let me ask you this. Do you know how long the apostle Paul expected the Corinth church to reach the level of maturity that he expected? He'll blow you away. You ready for this? Three years. He expected the Corinth church when you read 1 Corinthians, to be spiritually mature, and he had planted that church before 1 Corinthians, he had planted that church three years prior. Paul expects a believer to be fully mature, not that you end your maturity, but you're mature enough not to compromise within three years. Oh, whoa, three years? Yeah, three years. Now check this out. This is how confused our culture is. This is our health secretary. And his family or her family, whatever. I don't know. I don't know what this is. <laughs> Did someone say Halloween? I didn't say it, you said it. <laughs> What's my point in showing you this? This is where you go as a society when you unhinge from the Bible. When you unhinge from the Judeo-Christian ethic, you get a health secretary like this who's going to be in charge of the national health. Oh, so what can you expect from as far as vaccines from this person? Right? You get what I'm saying? 
Yeah, you, you get all kinds of crazy stuff. Now, the, the, I'm not trying to make fun of him who's confused. This person needs help. This person needs some serious help spiritually. She needs Jesus, or he needs Jesus. I keep saying she, but... And then his, his buddies, too, need help. I'm trying to hold it back. The blue hair thing is just, I can't get past the blue hair. <laughs> what is, is this where we're at? Is this where we're at? I'm sorry, man. That's ridiculous. Um, it's Romans 1, man. That's Romans 1. And you got the chihuahua to prove it, too, with the whole thing, man. She, that poor chihuahua, man. Or Yorkie, whatever it is. Anyway, I digress. Um, I just pray for him is right. This is how confused Israel got that they're willing to put up a golden calf to lead them into the promised land. And this is where how confused our society is, where you have this going on. This is what they expect businesses to have on their boards and on their staffs and in their employment. This is what they expect. So one day you're going to be at your job and some dude's going to walk in with a beard and high heels, okay? And he's going to walk in and you have to affirm that because if you don't, you will be fired. This is where we're at. This is how confused Israel was and this is how confused America is. <laughs> Let's get that off. But listen to what God says. He says this to you and I, he says this to Israel but this is what they didn't understand and didn't believe. Fear not, I am with you. Be not dismayed. Don't be confused and worried about what's going on in the culture. It's crazy, I know. It's going to the tribulation, I get it, he's saying. For I am your God, not Fauci, not Biden, not Gavin Newsom, I am your God. I will strengthen you. You don't have to buckle to their pressure. I'll give you the strength to deal with what you got to deal with. Yes, I will help you. Don't cave in. Don't compromise to these people. I'm going to help you. I will uphold you in my righteous uh, hand, right hand. Behold, all those who are incensed against you shall be ashamed and disgraced. All those who hated your unvaccinated state, all of those who called you a homophobe, all of those who called you a racist or a xenophobe because you want the borders uh uh, secure. All of those who called you an Islamic phobe or transphobe, all of those shall be ashamed and disgraced one day. They shall be as nothing, and those who strive with you shall perish. You shall seek them and not find them. Those who contend with you, who are fighting with you right now about your jobs and about the culture, those who war against you shall be as nothing as a non-existent thing. Don't forget that when you're fighting. Amen? That's right. When they're pushing these mandates on you, do not forget that. You ha you're standing on the solid rock. He says, I will help you. I will protect you. Now, here's, here's the thing about just, a, just an application off of this. And we'll continue on. God is going to say, take your stand. You're convicted. It's biblical. You have biblical values, biblical principles, take your stand. But here's what he won't say. He won't say, hey, go ahead and take your stand. 
Um, yeah, you're going to lose your job and everything, but like the next day at two o'clock, you're going to get a phone call and it's going to be somebody that wants to give you another job and they're going to supply a job for you. And it's going to be, you know, equitable to what you were making and don't worry about it. So go ahead and take your stand because we got this the next day. He doesn't work like that. He's not going to tell you what's going to happen. He just says, are you convicted enough to take your stand? Yes. Then trust me in how I provide afterwards. Trust me for the timing of things. Well, I don't know what's going to happen. I might lose my job. That's okay. What does he say? I am the one who helps you. I am the one who provides. Not your stupid uh, employer. Not your supervisor. Not the state of California. I, Yahweh, am the one who's going to provide for you, is what he's saying. So trust me, take your stand. And he's saying, afterwards, I'll show you how I provide, but I'm not going to tell you. I'm just going to tell you I will provide. Are you okay with that? That requires faith, which the Israelites at this point didn't have, which why many people are caving in because they don't have the faith that think that God can provide for them. Two, they wanted the, uh, the leader to be led by them. They wanted the leader to be led by them. Remember I told you, they couldn't push the issue with Moses. They knew that. So they're going to push the issue with Aaron. Aaron's a soft target. And so they, through their mobocracy, are pushing the leadership to do what they want them to do. And Aaron's such a weak leader, because he doesn't stand on the solid rock, they can push him over. And that's what they do. See, People can sense who leaders are and who are not. We got a lot of people in America that are in leadership positions, but are not leaders. And you want to think, how did you get to this place? Because you're a non-leader. Well, it's, you know, politically driven. It's agenda. It's the narrative. All that stuff that gets the wrong people in leadership, right? But they're not leaders. Look at this. The guy doesn't even know who he's, what he's signing, right? That's not a leader. Sign it anyway. We have the ultimate puppet in the, in the White House, okay? He's doing the bidding for the new world order. He's doing the bidding for the Council of Foreign Relations. And so is every leader. It's not just our country. It's Canada. It's Australia, New Zealand, Europe. All of them are being told what to do. Angela Merkel, they're all being told what to do. Macron, all of them. Someone behind the scenes is telling all the leaders, you will do this. You can't have all these countries doing the same thing, all on the same ticket. I'm about ready to go to, what is it, Sweden. They're the only ones that said, we're done. We're done with, the, and I think, Norway and uh, Finland and then Iceland. I don't know if you want to live in Iceland. It's cold there. But they say, we're done. We're done with the whole uh, coronavirus, we're done. We're moving on. They're starting to appeal to me. I don't know. They have some sense for some reason. I don't know what it is. We don't. Oh, that's right. There's an agenda behind collapsing America. Ah, oh, yeah, that's right. That's right. They don't care about Norway and Swindland and Iceland. They don't, they're not a political factor. I get it. You got to take down America. Oh, that's right. Three, they wanted a God who they could fashion into what they thought a God should be, how a God should act, and what behaviors that God would allow them to do. This is Santa Claus. This is the, it, it, the golden calf represents them. It represents what they want, what their agenda is, and that God will allow them to do what they want. So 
what people do in idolatry is they actually form an idol made in the image of themselves that approves of their behavior, that approves of their lifestyle, that approves of, you know, whatever morality they want to live and do what they want to do. So it's a Santa Claus mentality. It's a Santa Claus theology. That's what they started creating with the idol. Yeah, they call, they're going to call the idol Yahweh, but it's a far cry. How many people worship a false Jesus? Millions. Millions worship a false Jesus. It's not the Jesus of the Bible. The Jesus that is all love, but no justice and no righteousness is not the Jesus of the Bible. They're following a cotton candy version of Jesus, and they don't have any clue who he is. That's what's happening. Look at the new idols for America. Yeah. So now you have uh, Catholic candles in the image of Fauci, like he's St. Fauci or whatever. And, and this is real stuff. You can buy it. Um, I don't recommend you buy it, but it's, a, it's an idol. But our culture is so enamored by this liar that they, 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 they're making, you know, candles like he's a saint in the Catholic church. Dude, that's idolatry. That's complete idolatry. And by the way, there was an interview with Fauci. He had all these candles on his back shelf. So he must love himself that much to have his own idols to himself. That tell you something about him? But this is what's happening. Um, America's making up new idols. Huh. They wanted to achieve their goal on their own. Remember they said, we want this idol to go before us, basically to lead us in the promised land. Now the promised land cannot be accomplished without God. It is obvious that when they finally get into the promised land with Joshua, they have to have supernatural empowerment to overcome Jericho, Ai, Ai, Hazor, all these places they take down, plus there's giant clans. These, these people are so foolish, they think they can go in the land without Yahweh and make their own paradise on earth. Oh, that sounds very interesting. I think I can equate that to today. Once they've kicked out Judeo-Christian ethics and morality out of our culture, the funny thing is, in the New World Order, and by the way, that's not a conspiracy word anymore, they're using that word, New World, world Order. They're using it like left and right. They're not even afraid to hide it anymore. In their New World Order, it is a utopian paradise that they want to create. But they, in order to create it, they have to force people to accept the paradise. They have to take away freedoms and rights to get to this paradise. And that's really what they're thinking is if we can get to this level of a global government, a global currency, a global tolerant religion called the Whore of Babylon, then we'll have nirvana. We'll have, quote, peace and security. And what did the Apostle Paul say when they start saying that word? Then sudden destruction comes upon them. The tribulation will happen. So what's happening right now, why are they destroying America? Because they want to get to their nirvana, their, their paradise that they want to create, but yet it's a paradise without God. You can't have paradise without a righteous ruler. Doesn't work. They've tried it many times. Hitler tried it. Mussolini tried it. Pol Pot tried it. Can't get it because it's satisfied only in a righteous ruler, which will one day be the Messiah, who will rule and reign from Jerusalem for a thousand years, and who will rule with a rod of iron. And no human has ever seen the rod of iron rule. The rod of iron rule means that this, 
that Jesus ruling from the throne of is in Israel, when he sees bad behavior, he immediately puts it down, wherever it is on the planet. It's struck down immediately. It doesn't even happen. You can only have paradise if you have God ruling the world. You're not going to have paradise. But what are they forming? They think they can create paradise without God. And they're actually creating the environment for the Antichrist, who will one day tangibly be their ruler. And it won't be paradise. It will be hell on earth when he rules. That's where the world's going. A paradise without God, it's impossible. This is what they're creating. You see our flag there? It may not last long. They're already thinking about creating a new flag. It might be something like this, I don't know. But they want to get away from the American flag. It's bad, I tell you, it's that, it's that bad, guys. George Soros says the main obstacle to a stable and just world order, a new world order, is the United States. That's why they're targeting us. You know why they didn't, they didn't target us like Australia? You see what's happening in Australia, right? It's out of control. Completely, it's turned into a police state, right? Can't go out of their house, the, the cops, uh, just police brutality. That's the new world order cops, okay? Um, the reason they're doing this, this is a test case on Australia because they have no weapons. They know Americans have weapons and they're armed to the teeth. So the way they have to do it in America is they can't do what they did in Australia. They have to go bit by bit, piece by piece, in order to get people to compromise. And eventually they'll take over and they're destroy, they'll destroy America. They wanted a tangible physical God to guide them. They operated uh, uh, on sight rather than faith. So it's what they saw. Now here's, here's the ironic thing. They saw Mount Sinai. They heard what was happening over there. Oh, but it wasn't here where their camp is. Well, God's omnipresent. Even though you see his physical manifestation on the mountain, doesn't mean he's not with you right now because he's omnipresent. But for some reason, in their minds, oh, he's over there, I'm here, and I need him here. Well, that's, that's called idolatry. That's why they had to have idols with them. And, and, and basically... Uh, the idea was, again, losing Moses was like losing Yahweh. It, it was a wrong thought, but this is how they operated. We as Christians do not operate on sight. We believe in the God who's the invisible God. You believe in Jesus, yet you have never seen him, right? That's called faith. One day you will, but right now you have faith. It's your faith that carries you through compromise because the compromise is this. You don't know what your future is if, if, if you don't give in to our mandates. Your future is on the line. And so people get freaked out about that. They want a secure future. They want to, I want to retire in 10 years, Brandon, and I want to be able to travel. Good luck on that one. Because they're going to restrict traveling, by the way. They're going to restrict your gas consumption, by the way. You won't even be able to travel in the future. Uh, and you're like, well, you know, I plan to retire. Um, your retirement's coming a little bit earlier. Well, I, I thought I was going to spend my golden years, you know, at the beach and stuff like that, and I was having a good time. I think you would need to rethink that. I think that's not in reality anymore. But here's the question. 
Can you trust your future to God? Yes, we can. So my plans need to go out of my mind and say, Lord, you handle my future. You deal with it. I, 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 this is chaos. I don't know what's happening here. I can't control it. It's out of my control. You're in control. I give you my future. Whatever you want, I'm for it. When you can surrender your future, then you're operating by faith rather than sight. Because right now, if you're operating on your future with what you have in your retirement, let me tell you what's going to happen to your retirement. You think, oh, I'm safe and secure. My barns have been made big, and I have all this retirement ready to go. Great. But what happens if they switch to a digital currency? And then what happens then if they cause hyperinflation or we have another crash, which is coming? You're going to lose your retirement, at least a good portion of it. You better be prepared for that. I'm just here to warn you. I'm just here to tell you. I'm not trying to scare you, but you have to start getting your eyes off of what you can see to the invisible, what God provides. If you lose all your retirement, do you believe that God can provide for you to live the rest of your life? Yes. You have to say, yes, I can lose it all and know that God will take care of me. That's what we're talking about. But Israel wasn't willing to go there. Six, they were bullies forcing their agenda through intimidation on Aaron. They just turned into bullies. The bully, the bullying was for their agenda. Tangible security, protection, power, control, and the promised land. Now, all of those things God gave them, but it wasn't tangible. They didn't see it, even though it was there. And so they, because they want this so bad, they want their agenda so bad, they're willing to bully people for it. Guys, we're not too far away from that, are we? They're bullying us for their agenda. You want to know the biggest bully that's going on right now in America? It's this guy. This is not about freedom or personal choice. It's about protecting yourself and those around you. We've been patient, but our patience is wearing thin. And your refusal has cost all of us. The bottom line, we're going to protect vaccinated workers from unvaccinated co-workers. If you want to work with the federal government and do business with us, get vaccinated. If you want to do business with the federal government, vaccinate your workforce. These governors won't help us beat the pandemic. I'll use my power as president to get them out of the way. Wow. He's referring to Florida's Ron DeSantis, uh, Abbott, and a few other governors that are standing in the way of this. So this bully, we've never heard a U.S. president talk like this, guys. This is unprecedented. Where a a guy uh, who's a puppet, who's being told what to say, bullies the American people and say, this is not about freedom. Uh, Excuse me, I don't know what country we're in, but this is what America was. It was about freedom. And you don't get to mandate anything like that on us. But now, see, the bullying is happening. The bullying is happening on social media. The bullying is happening everywhere if you come against the narrative, which is not based on facts and evidence. And you have to be strong enough to face the bully. See, remember in the playground when you had a bully? The only way to get a, get a bully off you is to confront the bully. And put the bully in its place. You will not push me around. And that's what you have to do. You have to confront evil. You have to say things. You have to speak the truth in love. But you don't 
you don't cower in front of someone saying, we'll just get the people out of the way. It, time, time is over. We, our patience has run out. You will be doing this. No, thank you. We won't. We won't. And so at the end of the day, let me show you a picture real quick. Uh, the rest of this we'll get next week. It's crazy stuff. Like I said, the ultimate of the, uh, the, ultimate of the idol, the calf idol, is going to happen again. Same setup, same scenario. Instead of believing in the invisible Jewish Messiah that they can't see right now, they will then accept a tangible counterfeit Messiah they can see, feel, touch, all that stuff. It's tangible. And he will promise them the same thing Jesus promises. I'll give you peace. I'll give you provision. I'll give you security. I'll give you everything you want. Just worship me. And that person will be the Antichrist. And then the Antichrist sets up the abomination that causes desolation in the Jewish temple. Guys, that's a picture of what they did in the, the, the uh, wilderness with the golden calf. And so now it will not be a calf. It'll be a golden image of the Antichrist. That's what's coming. So history keeps repeating itself, doesn't it? And the whole world will come under the ultimate idolatry. The whole world will have to bow a knee to the Antichrist, the ultimate golden calf for the entire world. That's where the world's heading. But you and I have a choice. We know better than this. We're mature. We know we have to fight. We cannot compromise. Because if we compromise, once you start compromising, you start going down that path of compromising. You give a little here, you give a little here, you get a little here, and before you know it, you're full-blown compromised. It's like roach infestation. Now, I want to show you this to gross you out, so you'll never forget this, okay? I have questions when I get to heaven to ask the Lord, why did you make roaches? Why did you make flies? Why did you make uh, snakes? Why did you make mice and, and rats? I have a lot of questions about those varmints. Um, and, and the next question is, how, why do we have ankle-biting mosquitoes here in Bakersfield all of a sudden the last two years who, who keep biting my ankles? Where did they come from, and why, God, did you make them? But anyway, I digress. My point is, you see how gross this is, like that sink. Oh, my goodness. How did that start? It started with one roach, and it started with a person not dealing with the roach, killing it start spraying, got to get a handle on it, don't quit leaving, uh, quit leaving food out, all that, that stuff that you would do to prevent this, right? But unfortunately, how it gets that way is the person doesn't uh, deal with the situation. They learn to live with roaches. They learn to compromise. Well, you know, it's just one roach. It's not that bad. What? You know they have babies, right? They have a bunch of babies. And they breed worse than rabbits. And, and so these things will infest you that quick. You've got to get on top of it. You can't allow yourself to live in compromise with roaches because this is what happened. And eventually they, they, they did a close-up on these things, and these things were dancing because no one's opposing them. They're having a good time because no one sprays any insect repellent. No one takes care of them. No, no, nobody's putting out bait. So these guys are just going happy, happy town, man. 
What's my point? I wanted to show you the grossest insect I could to tell you that when believers compromise like Israel did, it is an abomination to God. It is such an abomination to him. Okay? It's that sick on the spiritual level. And like you, if you do one compromise, it's allowing, I just live with that one roach. I'm good. But what happens to the roach? He breeds. And then you move and you, you do another compromise, a second, and then you have many roaches. And then you do another compromise, and that's like having more roaches. And as you keep moving down the path of compromise, you're infested, infested with the abominable things of this world that you are now accepting into your life. And it's a part of your Christianity. Critical race theory, LGBT, 52 genders, you know the thing. That's roaches. That's a roach theology. You're corrupting your pure theology in Yahweh. Can't do that. Don't allow yourself to even compromise one iota. And remember, to protect yourself from compromising, you have to believe in the invisible God. You cannot succumb to having things tangible in front of you. You have to move to the area of faith. And if you move from the area to the area of faith, then that faith will set you free from compromise. Thanks for joining us for another episode of the Anchor Sunday Sermons. We hope that this message is a blessing to you and helps grow you towards a more mature understanding of God's Word. Rock Harbor Church has recently started a second podcast called The Anchor Bible Study. It's filled with past and continuing Bible studies preached during our Wednesday evening services. If you enjoyed this message and would like to hear it, please check the description of this episode or search your favorite podcast streaming services for The Anchor Bible Study. Support for both of our podcasts comes from your generous gifts and donations. For more information about our ministry, we invite you to check out our website, rockharborchurch.net. Until next time, remember, keep looking up, for our redemption draws near.